Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, you're here with me, Dan Ko, on Your Money. Now, on today's episode of Money and Me, we take a closer look into what it means to be a financial sotong and how not to be one. Now, if you're not familiar with the term sotong, it's a singlish term that simply means being blur or slow to catch on. Now, we all know that having to manage our personal finance can certainly be a daunting and complex responsibility. And this is especially so for young adults who have just entered the workforce and are just getting started on their personal finance journey. So, today, instead of talking about about the endless list of helpful financial tips, we'll be discussing some common missteps in a young adult's personal finance journey. And well, lucky for us, we've got a very special guest from The Simple Sum, a company that seeks to empower young adults to successfully manage their personal finance by simplifying and engaging them with the use of comics. So to help us out today, we're pleased to have with us on the show, Nico Ng, the Head of Learning and Partnerships at The Simple Sum. Good morning, Nico. Thank you for joining us this Monday morning. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Good morning, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, Nico. Now, before we get into the juice of this interview, I see that one of your comics, you got a character called Sam the Sotong, right? So maybe for a start, can you talk to us about the inspiration behind this character and how does it resonate with people who are new to personal finance? So I think for a lot of people starting out in their personal finance journey, uh, we all start out being a bit blur blur like Sotong. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which means that, you know, uh, we're kind of stumbling through. We don't really have the right uh, knowledge or tools to actually get us through our personal finance journey. So we're kind of learning as we go. And as we learn as we go, we, we tend to make mistakes along the way. And then from those mistakes, we actually learn and get better. And this is embodied by Sam the Sotong in our comics. Um, so he is a financial newbie going through this financial journey and learning about you know the basics of personal finance how to set the right foundation and he may be mis- making mistakes along the way just like the rest of us mm. uh, but he's learning from them and you know overcoming them and one of the things that we see both from our own personal experience and also from you know what we hear from our audience a lot of these mistakes are actually the same mistakes that everybody is making so mm. we thought of distilling them down today um, and you know kind of going through them and uh, sharing a little bit about them so that you know people who are also starting out on their journey can avoid those mistakes. Wonderful. All right, so now that we've set the yeah. stage for today's interview, right, let's talk about how not to be a financial sotong. And for today, we'll be covering, yes. I believe, five common missteps that's made by people looking to manage their finance. Now, the first on the list, I believe that's not setting aside an emergency fund. So maybe for mm-hmm. a start, explain to us what exactly is an emergency fund and why is it so important for us? Okay. Um, An emergency fund is exactly what the name states Mm. it is. So it is a fund that you set aside in cases of emergencies. So this could be anything from, okay, you broke your laptop, you know, your laptop screen cracked and you need to go and get it fixed and you need to, you know, set aside some money for that. So um, that you can actually take the money out of your emergency fund to do it. Right. Uh, it could be just a minor medical expense. You need to actually pay for that. And it could be something that's a little bit more serious. So, for example, if you were laid off from your job and you need some money to tide you over until you find a new job, right? So, you would need your emergency fund um, in order to uh, help you with that. Mm. Um, so, it is to give you that peace of mind so that you do not feel, you know, anxious that, you oh, I'm, I don't have enough savings to help tide me over uh, in these instances and this is something that I think 
uh, prior to the pandemic, not a lot of people have actually heard of an emergency fund or even know the concept of an emergency fund. But I think the, the pandemic actually made it quite clear to people that there needs to be a rainy day fund to help tap them over any unexpected events. So the recommendation that people have for having an emergency fund is three to six months of your living expenses mm. to help you cover for any unfortunate uh, circumstances. Right. And um, yeah, if you don't know how to calculate your emergency fund, we actually have an emergency fund calculator on our website thesimplesum.com where you can actually go in and key in you know um, your living expenses and actually get a summary of how much you need to set aside for your emergency fund well wonderful all right so well then can we talk about why do you think this is often overlooked and what's stopping people from saving for an emergency fund I think a lot of us feel overconfident, especially when you first start working, right? As a young adult, you think nothing's going to happen to you. Mm. You know, you're invincible. So yeah. you're, you're kind of living with the mindset that like, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. But in actuality, as you progress through life, things will happen, whether we like it or not, right? There's going to be something inevitable that's going to happen. It's yeah. going to pop up eventually, whether it's a small thing or a big thing. Mm. Um, and so having that mindset, it can be a little bit pessimistic, but having that mindset and setting aside the money first will help make going through those transitions or those unexpected events a lot easier for you. Right. Um, and so you have the peace of mind. That's one. The second one is a lot of us jump into like saving for bigger goals or saving for uh, investing without having an emergency fund. And this is a common mistake that people make, right? Because mm. what happens if you have an emergency, if you got laid off from your job and you need money quickly and you have invested money in the stock market and the stock market is not doing well at that point in time. So you'd be forced to actually withdraw the money out at a loss potentially to help cover back those uh, unexpected uh, events. So you don't want to end up in a situation where you have to cash out on an investment at a loss as well um, just to pay off an emergency. Right. Talking about investment, would it be wise for us to invest these funds into safe havens like maybe SSBs, fixed deposits and maybe even T-bills? So you can put a portion of your emergency fund into something that is uh, um, interest-bearing, hmm. but I would suggest keeping it in a more liquid account. Right. Um, so, for instance, a high-yield savings account where you can actually draw the money immediately um, as opposed to putting it something in something like a fixed deposit, for example, right? You have to lock it in for a period of time and let's say if you need the money and your fixed deposit hasn't matured, you'd be taking it out and you wouldn't get the interest hmm. um, immediately. Right. So I think for an emergency fund, having it in something that's a little bit more liquid uh, would be most ideal. All right. Fascinating. So liquidity is key right here and we need to make sure that we can have access to our cash as, as, uh, as early as we can. Now let's move on to our next misstep and that's mistaking trading for investing. And for those who are new to finance, they might think you know both are aimed at earning some gains from financial markets, right? I mean, we buy stocks and mm-hmm. we sell them. So help us understand what's the difference between trading and investing then. Yeah, so this is another blah blah sotong mistake that mm. people make, um, mixing up trading and investing. So I'll break it down. Uh, we'll start with trading first, right? So what is trading essentially? So essentially trading is buying a particular stock in the hopes that that stock's going to go up in the next week or the next month and then you can sell it for a short-term gain. Mm. Now, this is, uh, I think, very familiar with a lot of people, buy, sell, buy, sell, right? Yeah. Uh, the stock market. But for a beginner that's starting out in the stock market, this may not be the best approach to investing because number one, you may not have a lot of knowledge or research that you've done in order to you for you to predict what's going to happen, right? So that's the first thing. So you may end up you know, buying into something with the idea 
that you are going to make money. But in actuality, when one month comes down the line and you realize the stock hasn't moved or it has gone down mm. instead, then you make a very emotional decision mm. by either selling it or selling it at a loss. Right. So that's the first thing, right? So uh, for a beginner investor, trading actually has a lot of emotions involved in it. Um, and it's not very easy to, to go into it with a clear head. And even people who trade full-time, who know how to read charts, who know the market movements, experts can get it wrong also. So for a beginner, it's not something that you would want to be doing, uh, especially with your hard-earned money, right? And that you're setting aside, uh, setting aside for, your, for your future. Right. Another way of looking at it is trying to time the market. Right, so that means that um, that person is thinking that the market's going to go up, so they're trying to time it by buying it at a bottom and then it's selling it at a high. And most of the time, people don't really get it right in the first place. Yeah, so that's trading. What you might want to be doing instead as a beginner investor, right, is to be investing. And investing is taking a much longer term view of your finances. Um, and this means putting your money aside in an asset that you've done some research on and hoping for it to grow for the next 20, 30 years down the line so that you have wealth that is growing and compounding, not as not as sexy as trading, right, <laughs> uh, where you can buy and sell very quickly, yeah. but um, it is compounding at a rate that's much more sustainable and allowing you to reap the rewards of compounding over a longer period of time. And it takes emotion out of the equation. Mm. So uh, when markets are going up, when there's certain news uh, that's coming out and this market is very exuberant, you're kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to stick to my plan rather than pumping in more money just to try and buy at a low and sell at a high. Right. Or when markets are going down, you won't feel so scared and pull your money out because you know you have a much longer time frame. So that actually helps you to keep your money invested in the market. So time in the market beats timing the market, yes. essentially. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. And, and yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure this is something that a lot of us will be interested to know as well. Maybe for those who are a little bit more, have a longer experience in the finance industry, would you say that one is more lucrative or profitable than the other in terms of trading versus investing? I would say that it really depends on your financial goals. So looking at your investing as lucrative, I think it's not, not really the right way of looking at your investing because mm. a lot of people investing with a particular goal in mind. So whether that goal is retirement, financial freedom, buying a house in the future, for instance, right? Yeah. So if you have a particular goal, how your investments are going to be structured is based off of what that goal is. So if right. you're, waiting, you're looking to retire 40 years down the line, then th that gives you a little bit of a chance to ride the market ups and downs and, and follow the market, right? So mm. I wouldn't say you should look at it as lucrative or not lucrative. It's more of which one suits my goals better. Mm, all right. And yeah, I think that's yeah. one big takeaway from this is that time in the market is better than timing the market. The market. Timing yeah. the market. Yep, exactly. All right. Now, if you're just joining us, we're speaking to Nicole Ng, the head of learning and partnerships at The Simple Sum to talk everything about how you can manage your finance better. Now, next up on the list, we've got FOMO in investments. And FOMO is basically short for fear of missing out. Now, this is something I can relate to because I've seen some friends making big money from various investments from like in crypto meme stocks and just to name a few you know and i'll be lying if i said i hadn't followed them blindly before so when you think about it there's been a number of crazy rallies right from uh, dodge coins yep. 12 000 percent climb and like you have meme stocks like GameStop and amc sing prices climb up to more than tenfold so why then shouldn't we follow blindly i mean they've shown to be quite profitable right yeah. So one of the things that a lot of us get the sense of, I, even me, for, for, for example, mm. I also feel the sense of FOMO whenever I'm talking to a friend or going on social media and hearing about 
this person getting 10x return on their investment, right? Yeah. And I'm missing out because I'm not jumping on the boat mm. together with them. I think this is a very easy feeling to give yourself into. But as a beginner investor, I think you also need to ask certain questions to yourself as to why you're investing in this particular investment, right? So the even if you're considering buying into a stock that everybody else has bought, then the question you have to ask yourself is, number one, do your research, right? So mm. do you understand what you're buying into or are you just buying it just because everybody else is buying it, right? Right. So the first thing is that, okay, do you understand the company? Is the company profitable? Why is the stock price going up? Is it going up because people are pushing the price up or is there actual underlying value in the company, right? So having an understanding of all of these things can help you make a better informed decision as to what you want to do in your investment and can help you understand the risk that you're taking. Right. So for instance, in meme stocks and in cryptocurrency, there's a lot of risk that you're going to be taking. And if you're someone who's not actually comfortable with risk, you don't want to be blinded by the potential return or the 10x return that people keep talking about yeah. because there's also a risk that you can actually lose all of your investments and you can feel that pain very strongly also. So I think before you even jump into something that everybody else is talking about, do your research and understand what you're buying into and the risks that you're taking buying into that thing. And then from there, you can make the decision, okay, do I want to still follow the crowd? and take that risk and put that money into that investment or should I just hold back because that's not something that I'm comfortable with, right? Yep. So um, I would say try to ignore your FOMO and um, go in a very systematic approach and do, do some research first. Wonderful. It's always for every man for himself, right? We have to make sure we do our own research before we step into it. And yeah, you don't want to go into a stock unprepared as well. You got to know what exactly you're putting your money into. After all, those are hard-earned money, right? Now, moving on, let's talk to let's talk about our next misstep because we've got two more to go. And the next misstep is a tricky one because I find myself struggling to stick to my budget since making purchases are so much easier. So yes, as I'm, I'm talking about failing to stick at your own budget or budgeting. Now, look at e-commerce like Shopee, Lazada. And if you're out Shopping is so easy to swipe with just your credit card, right? So, Nicole, can you help us out here? I mean, what are the importance of budgeting and tracking our expenses? Shouldn't we be enjoying our hard-earned money? Yeah, so, we, I mean, there's no harm in enjoying your hard-earned money, but mm. I think it should come at in a more disciplined way, I would say. So, a lot of people, when they first start out their personal finance journey, they want to jump into investing straight away. They want to do the more advanced things, but they fail at the most fundamental thing, which is not tracking their expenses and not having a budget. Right. So they do not know where your money is going every month. You do not know where you're overspending. And sometimes you might end the month and you realize, hey, I got no savings. Where what happened? You know, mm. what and you don't you wouldn't know. So I think the first most fundamental thing you need to start with before you even think about investing or having an emergency fund and all of that is to start tracking your expenses and see where your money is going every month. You'll be very surprised because you don't realize there are some areas that actually spending more than you thought. Mm. Like for example, for me, um, I always think that, oh, I'm going to spend like $200 every month taking taxis. But at the end of the month, after I track my expenses, then I realize actually I'm spending like $400. So double wow. what I initially <laughs> intended. So I don't, I don't want to be spending that kind of money, right? So yeah. tracking your expenses give you that visibility and then you can see patterns in your, in your spending and then you can see, okay, these are the areas that I want to cut back on. I want to cut back on taxi. I want to cut back on, you know, going out and eating at expensive restaurants with my friends so that I can set aside a certain amount of money for my future. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean that you completely cut things out entirely, right? Setting a budget is also setting aside things for things that you need. So like paying for your utility bills, paying for your mortgage, things like that. But right. also setting aside some money for the fun stuff. So 
like going out with friends, buying things on, you know, during your double sales on, on the e-commerce platforms. And also, you know, maybe you want to go travel and things like that. You set aside some money for that also. So it doesn't mean mm. that you don't have fun and do the things that you like. It's just sticking within a budget so that you are also putting money aside for your future. Yes, and we have to think long-term, right? Like we have to always mm-hmm. be responsible in our spending and just to make sure that it goes back to our first point, having emergency fund in, in case we need it. Right. So now speaking of budgeting, do you have a secret formula as to how much we should be allocating into our savings, investments or spendings? Okay, that really depends on person to person. So okay. there are some um, guiding rules that you can actually try to use. So the first most popular one that people always quote in the personal finance industry is the 50-20-30 rule. Mm. So setting aside 50% of your income for your needs, so like your bills and your expenses, and then um, setting aside 30% for your wants. So like, for example, you're going out, uh, eating, you know, maybe you're luxury which is your taxi drives which is a luxury for me taking taxi um, <laughs> and then setting aside 20% of your income every month into savings right so of course you can kind of pull the levers on these numbers and, and change it up so yep. for some people they might want to save 70% of their income so they mm. might want to make it a, a game with themselves like oh can I save 70% of my income every month right and stick the rest of it for my um, for my uh, expenses yeah um, my personal approach is that I set aside my savings the moment I get my salary in my account ready. So mm. I set aside the money already. And so it, it will look like, okay, I have less money to spend for the, the coming month, right? right? So it's out of sight, out of mind for me. Mm. Um, and I think some people might have that approach also because it's a lot easier than trying to set aside money at the end of the month after you spend for everything else. Yep. Yeah. I can resonate with you because uh, the thing is, I like to give myself a budget and if I see that amount, in my bank, that's all that I have to spend. And that's a lot easier for me to, you know, know how much I'm left with at the end of the month. And now on to our last point. I'm sure this is something that many of us can identify with and that's peer pressure. Now, Nicole, how exactly does peer pressure affect our finances? So caving into peer pressure is, I think, the last sotong move um, that mm. most of us make uh, as, as young adults that come out into the working force. And it's especially more difficult in today's day and age when we have social media we have advertising and then you know we meet up with our friends and we see that you know they're traveling here they're traveling there they're buying the latest gadgets they're buying the trendiest clothes right Mm. and we feel left out like we feel like oh okay maybe we should also be spending money on these things because other people are right and so we feel like we want to fit in we feel like we want to show people that we're you know, we're living our best lives on social media, you know, and then people can see mm. see and feel envious. But what that ends up doing is that we end up overspending on things that may not actually matter to us in the long run, right? right. And so we end up overspending on things just to keep up with other people and, and caving into that peer pressure. And it's taking money away from more important goals that we actually have for ourselves, like buying a house, for example, Right. right? So I think one way for you to be able to kind of, you know, build resilience towards peer pressure is to have some self-awareness and do some reflection before you start purchasing something. So for instance, if you find yourself going onto an e-commerce platform and you, you know, want to buy the latest um, shoes that everybody is wearing, before you, you know, click add to cart and, you know, click pay, Mm. ask yourself the question like, okay, 
am I buying this because I really want it and it will make me happy and I would enjoy it? Mm. Or am I buying it because I saw everybody else wearing it and I also want to keep up with them, mm. right? right? So you answer that question, it helps you build that resilience against peer pressure, mm. against some advertising on social media. And then um, that helps you to maybe hopefully not spend on the thing if it's actually something that you don't want. Yeah. Right. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing, of course, is having a budget. Lah. So when yeah. you have a budget, you can set aside a portion, like what I said earlier, set aside a portion of your budget for the things that you want, the fun stuff. Um, and so, you know, just because you have to be financially responsible doesn't mean you cannot have fun, right? You don't have yeah. to be restrictive with your budget. Exactly. Yeah. So you can still spend, you can still enjoy, um, but it's within the limits of what you set for yourself. Wonderful. And yeah, there's a saying that goes as well, comparison is the thief of joy. So we want to, you have to mm-hmm. do, keep in mind that anything that goes out on social media may not necessarily be true. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to compare, you got to compare yourself to yourself. And um, that's mm-hmm. how we can improve ourselves in future. So now before I let you go, Nicole, do you have anything else to add in terms of how we can better manage our personal finance? Yeah, so I think kind of wrapping up, right? So the five common mistakes that we tend to do at the start of our personal finance journey, not having an emergency fund, feeling to stick to a budget, you know, giving into FOMO, giving into peer pressure and um, confusing trading and investing. Mm. So a lot of these things, right, at, at the end of the day, they're very foundational things that you need to get right at the start of your personal finance journey. Yep. So when you get those things right, right, everything else that comes after that becomes a lot easier for you to deal with. Like, mm. you know, saving up for certain goals that you have, ignoring the, the ups and downs in the market, right? So I think the takeaway is that these are some of the five things. It's not exhaustive, but the right. takeaway is that, okay, try to start building up these things. If you haven't started um, doing an emergency fund, go and start doing it. If you haven't started budgeting, try it, you know. We're, at the end of the year, um, next year is coming, you know, you can try and uh, revamp your personal finance life and, and have all of those things in place so that you avoid um, making mistakes that, you know, further down the line, you you regret and you have to start again right. uh, from scratch. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Nicole. No worries. Thanks so much, Dan, for having me. All right. Thank you. We've been speaking to Nicole Ng, the head of learning and partnerships at The Simple Sum, talking to you about how you can better manage your finance by avoiding missteps commonly made by those who are new to finance. Now, not to worry if you missed this interview. Do check out our Omni channel or Spotify at Your Money to listen through what we discussed. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm 893 SG or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.